Welcome to the Kaleo Life Podcast. You can find more resources for gospel living and information about us by going to our website, kaleo.community. Enjoy today's sermon. All right, so this is the last, uh, the last sermon on our uh, Kaleo DNA series. And remember that when we talk about DNA, we're talking about the values that dictate what we do as a church, right? Who we are as a church. Now, a quick word before we dive into the values, um, just kind of so that you know what direction we're going in, uh, in this season, in the next few Sundays. Uh, today's our last sermon in this series. Then the next four Sundays, we will, uh, we will be celebrating Advent, and basically we will uh, preach on that. Our sermons will be uh, on Advent, meaning the, the coming of Jesus, preparing our hearts to celebrate when Jesus became flesh and dwelt among us. Um, after that, one thing that we do at Kaleo every year is that the last Sunday of the year, we do a sermon called Looking Back. And basically during that time, we reflect back on God's goodness throughout the year. And then the first Sunday of the year, we, we do a sermon called Looking Forward. And we, uh, we pray and we think about and we talk about uh, how we would like to see God guiding us in the new year. Uh, and then after that, and uh, I'm actually, I'm excited about this because I feel like it's been a while since we've been in a book of the Bible. Uh, we're going to uh, begin our study in the Gospel of Mark. And I'm really, really looking forward to that as much as I have enjoyed doing these more thematic uh, or topical uh, series. I'm really looking forward to just going to a book of the Bible and looking at it from beginning to end uh, and just seeing what God has for us there. So if you want to, you can even begin to read Marcus. You, Marcus, why did I say Marcus? You can begin to read Mark. I'm sorry, my son is named Marcus. You can begin to read the Gospel of Mark and uh, just get familiar with it. You can read it a couple of times in preparation for our series. But that will be happening in January, Lord willing. Another thing that I forgot to announce is that at the, at the end of this gathering, we will have a, uh, a potluck. And so if you brought something, you're welcome to stay. If you didn't bring something, you're also welcome to stay. If you want to run to the store and get some pizza or whatever, you're also welcome to do that, but don't feel obligated. If it's pizza, the kids will love you. Uh, all right. So let's, uh, let's talk about the DNA of our church. And so I want to summarize kind of what we've done so far. So far, we've talked about worship. We've talked about gospel. We've talked about community. And today we're going to talk about mission. But let me just kind of, kind of trace... The, the path that we have been walking. First of all, worship, we mean by that that we exist and we are created to worship God, right? That is the chief end of man. That is the chief end of Kaleo. That is ultimately what we want to do. We want to worship God. And we talked about how worship is being in a relationship with God and it is representing God's image in which we were created, right? So worship is not just this random ethereal thing that we don't even know how to describe, but worship 
is actually something that we do as we are in relationship with God, as we delight in God, as we love God with all our might, with all our strength, with all our body and soul, and we worship God as we live in a Christ-like manner, representing the image of God in which we were created. Now, in order to be able to worship God, we have to be reconciled to God, right? We're not able to worship God. We are not able to do the thing that we were created to do unless we are reconciled to God. And, and that's when we talked about the gospel. And the gospel is basically the message, the good news message that God took the initiative to reconcile us to himself. The gospel is the message that tells us that God sent his son Jesus to live the perfect life that none of us could have lived and to die the death that all of us deserved to die. And he died on the cross in our place so that anyone who would believe in him could be reconciled to God and then worship God like he was created to do, right? So we, we were created to worship God. We need to be reconciled to God through the gospel message so that we can worship God. And then when we talked about community, we talked about how we are reconciled to God and we are saved, but we are saved into a community. We are saved as individuals. We are individually reconciled to God, but we are brought into something bigger than ourselves, right? There are no Lone Ranger Christians in this world, or there shouldn't be, right? Because we are saved into a community God has brought us into a family. And one of the ways that we worship God is by loving one another in this community that God has brought us into. Okay, so we have worship, we have gospel, we have community. And then when we talk about the mission or mission, uh, we're talking about the mission of the church. And basically the point that we're trying to make here is that our purpose is to worship God, right? That's why we exist. We exist to worship God. That's our purpose. But our mission, the thing that we do, the thing why the church exists, or the thing that the church has been com uh, commissioned with is to go and make disciples of all nations. It's to go and proclaim the excellencies of God, of the one who called us out of darkness. And this actually ties everything together because uh, in, in the words of John Piper, missions exist because worship doesn't. In other words, the reason we go and proclaim the gospel, proclaim the good news of the kingdom of God is because there are still a lot of people out there that are not worshiping God, that are not able to worship God, that are not able to do the thing that they were created to do. And so since we have been reconciled to God, since God has already saved us, those of us who have trusted in Jesus, and since we have been called into this community, we do not remain, you know, just huddled together and, and, and you know, just serving ourselves. I mean, that's, that's great. We need to serve one another. We need to love one another. But we are also called to go out and make disciples so that more and more people can come and worship God so that more and more people can hear the gospel and be reconciled to God, so that more and more people can be brought into this community that we are a part of. Does that make sense? 
All right, then my job is to, no, just kidding. Let's, let's talk about, uh, let's talk about mission. Let's talk about mission. So the, ultimately the thing that I, that I would like to argue that, uh, from the scriptures today is that the mission of the church is to make disciples. That's, that's the bottom line. The mission of the church is to make disciples. And, and that idea of making disciples is coming from Matthew 28, but we can talk about Acts 1 and, and uh, maybe present the mission of the church in a slightly different way. The mission of the church is to be Christ's witnesses to the ends of the earth, right? Remember when Jesus was about to ascend and he told the disciples, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Or we could use maybe Peter's language in describing this mission and, and talking about 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9, where Peter says, you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. So as a church, our mission, the mission that God has given us, the mission that Jesus has given us is to go and make disciples, to be his witnesses to the end of the earth, to proclaim the excellencies of him who has called us. And so... We as a church, we Kaleo, we want to make sure that we are a church that is on mission. We want to make sure that we are a church who is fulfilling the great commission that Jesus has given us of making disciples of all nations. I was thinking about this and I was trying to, to think of some sort of an analogy. And my analogy is less than, than perfect. In fact, it's, really, it's pretty bad, but... It's, it's what I got. But I was thinking, it, it seems like a church that refuses to do the mission that God has entrusted to us is like a 30-year-old guy who still lives with his parents. And worst of all, he says, the, you know, when someone asks him, hey, why don't, you, why don't you move out of your parents? Why don't you go find a job and do something else, do something with your life? He says, well, I live with my parents because I love them too much. And I'm afraid that sometimes churches or sometimes Christians refuse to go out on mission because they have a wrong understanding of what it means to worship God. And, and they say, well, we stay in here. We stay, you know, we, we, we do not go out to the world because, you know, we, we love God too much or we, we want to worship God. But if, if this you know, train of thought, if, if this path makes any sense, then worshiping God means going out and fulfilling the mission that he has given us of making disciples. Going back a little bit, it, you're welcome to turn to 1 Peter chapter 2. Going back to that passage, uh, I want to point out a couple of things from there. This is actually the passage uh, that inspired the name of our church, Kaleo, Kaleo Church. I was not there when this church was named. Uh, my guess is that Nathan was the one who, who kind of had all the, all the say in the name of Kaleo. And, and, you know, that's great. But 
Kaleo actually means to call, right? It's the Greek word for to call or calling. And the point being that uh, God called us out of darkness into his marvelous light, right? That's, that's who we are as a church. We are the called ones. We are the ones that God called out of darkness. We are the ones that God uh, saved and rescued and reconciled to himself. But if you see there again, I, wanna, I know that I've mentioned it already a couple of times, but I really want to drive this point home. Uh, if you look at verse 9, 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9, but you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession. All of this language is about, is about who we are as a church, right? We are this community. We are this nation, this priesthood. We belong to God. But then notice the purpose once again, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you. And there's the word for kaleo, the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. God called us out of darkness so that we would go and proclaim to the world, to everyone in here in this building and outside of this building, that we would proclaim the excellencies of God. So, yes, we exist to worship God, right? That is our purpose in, in, in life. That is our purpose as a church, to worship God. But our mission is to make disciples. And I believe that sometimes there is confusion that could be dispelled if we thought of our purpose and our mission as two distinct things, not separate, right? We cannot separate our purpose from our mission, but I think that it helps if we think of them distinctly and say, yes, our purpose is to worship God, right? That's why we exist. That's what we want to do in all of our lives. We want to worship God. But our mission, the thing that God has commissioned us to do is to make disciples of all nations. That's the reason why God hasn't just brought the church up with him and, and you know, finished this whole thing. Because he wants more people to be saved, right? Remember, we're studying, uh, we're studying 2 Peter on our gospel communities. And one of the arguments that Peter makes for, for uh, God delaying Christ's return is because God wants more people, because God is being patient so that more people can come to the knowledge and to, to the knowledge of God and to salvation. Christ hasn't returned and, and, and uh, brought his church up with him because he wants more people to hear the message of reconciliation and be saved because God is patient, because God wants all people to be saved. And the main means that God uses to bring this message of reconciliation is the church. So let me give you a couple of reasons why I believe that this great commission is the mission of the church. And we have actually talked uh, about the mission of the church before. If you want to hear more about it, you are welcome to go to, go to our website and look up the series on the book of Acts that we preached and in that series, we deal extensively with the mission of the church. But I, I, I kind of just want to give four arguments here quickly before we move on to the next part of this message. I want to give four arguments why I believe that the Great Commission was given to the church as a whole. Uh, there are some people that believe that when Jesus was 
uh, resurrected and he was, you know, in, in Matthew 28, he was with the disciples and he gave them the great commission. There are people that believe that that great commission was given specifically to the 12 disciples and, and, and to the ones that were around, but that's it. Nobody else. It didn't carry over to the rest of the church. But again, I want to give four, four arguments why I believe that the, the great commission has been given to the church as a whole. Number one, if the Great Commission had been given only to the 12 apostles and to, to those disciples that were there, then when those 12 apostles died and when those disciples that were there died, then the church would have ceased to grow, right? Because no, nobody else would have been making disciples and, and then everything would just die out. So that's one of the reasons. The other reason is that in Acts, we see the, the model of mission for the church and we see that more people other than the disciples we're engaging in proclaiming the gospel to the nations, right? We see Philip, the evangelist. We see Stephen. We see Barnabas. We see John Mark, Apollos, etc. Also in the, in the New Testament letters, we see that Paul commissions Timothy and Titus to continue the work of evangelism. Um, Paul also mentions several partners in the gospel. Among them are uh, Euodia and Cintiq. Phoebe, Titus, Epaphroditus, and the list goes on and on and on. In other words, it was not just the apostles that were commissioned with proclaiming the gospel to the world, but the church as a whole was pre preoccupied with the mission of God of bringing the good news of salvation to the world. And we see an example of that in the book of Acts in chapter 14, when the church as a whole, the church in Antioch, they commissioned Paul and Barnabas to go out, to go to other places to bring the good news of the gospel to those who had not heard this message, right? It's not that the church in Antioch, all of them together were missionaries and, each one, and, and all of them went out, but all of them saw themselves as the means that God was using for bringing the gospel to the lost. And so they commissioned Paul and Barnabas to go and then I also believe that at the end of the book of Acts, implicitly we are told that the mission has not been completed yet, right? The book of Acts, if you remember, it ends with Paul in Rome. He is in prison. He is in, in home prison but, or house arrest, but he is in prison nonetheless, and he has not finished bringing the gospel to the ends of the earth. But the book ends on a really, really high note, and it, it ends with Paul proclaiming the kingdom of God and teaching about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. And that's the end of the book of Acts, and the implication being, okay, who's going to continue that work? Are we going to continue the work that Christ com uh, commissioned the church with of making disciples of all nations? Are we going to continue proclaiming the kingdom of God and teaching about the Lord Jesus with all boldness? And obviously the answer should be yes, we should. We absolutely should because that is the mission that Christ has given his church. The church is a missionary institution in that through the gospel, it proclaims the excellencies of God to the world so that people would be reconciled to God and so that people would be brought into this community that we're a part of and thus God would be worshiped. So let me, uh, for, for this next uh, section here of, of this message, I want to talk about the mission itself, 
And we're going to do that by looking at Matthew 28. And then I want to talk about the motivation for the mission that we have been given. So please turn your Bibles to Matthew 28. And we're going to read verses 16 through 20. Now the 11 disciples were, went to Galilee to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all the things that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. So in this passage, we learn what the mission of the church is. And the mission of the church is to make disciples of all nations. So let's talk about what does it mean to make a disciple? Well, ultimately, making a disciple means bringing the gospel to people who have not heard the gospel and uh, baptizing them and teaching them to obey everything that Jesus has commanded and, and to quote Paul in Colossians, to present everyone mature in Christ, right? But let's talk about the different aspects of making disciples. First of all, the main command that we have there is to make disciples, even though it starts with go. Go is actually, uh, it's actually not the main command, but it's one of the ways that we do this. The main command that we are given is to make disciples, but we make disciples by going. We make disciples by going. We are not called to simply stay put and wait for people to come, but we are actually called to go and make disciples. That's what the church in Jerusalem did in the book of Acts, right? They, uh, uh, the disciples were, were there and Jesus told them to wait until they would receive power from the Holy Spirit. And once the Holy Spirit came, they started proclaiming the gospel and people started going to proclaim the gospel of Christ, to make disciples of all nations. And notice the progression in, in, the, in the commission that, that Christ gives them in Acts 1, how they begin in Jerusalem, then in Judea, then in Samaria, and then to the ends of the earth, right? And we could apply this for us and say, okay, maybe we can begin in Aberdeen or Grace Harbor and then we can move a little bit broader, Grace Harbor, and then Washington, and then the ends of the earth, right? Ultimately, we want the whole world gained for Christ. But we are here in Aberdeen, and so we want all of Aberdeen gained for Christ. We want all of Grace Harbor gained for Christ, but this is going to happen as we go. Think about uh, the Great Commission in John. So, by the way, each one of the gospel has some sort of iteration of the Great Commission. And in John chapter 20, verse 21, we read this. Jesus said to them again, to the disciples, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. And when he had said this, he breathed, on, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you withhold forgiveness from any, it is withheld. Notice how Jesus says, Just as the Father has sent me, I am sending you. In other words, we are following the model of 
Jesus when he came to this earth, right? The Father sent Jesus to this world. Jesus didn't stay in, in heaven, in, in the presence of God, but he actually came to this world. He came to seek the lost. He became flesh. He dwelled among us. And so we, as Christ's disciples, we are, we are commanded to follow his example and to go. We are sent just as the Father sent Jesus. Jesus sends us so that we go and make disciples, so that we go out of our comfort zone and make disciples. So that's, that's one of the ways that we make disciples. We also make disciples by baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And baptism is a sign that someone has been born again. It's a sign that someone has been included into the family of God. And so one of the clear goals of our mission is the conversion of people. We want to make sure that when we go and make disciples, we are seeking their conversion. Obviously, we've talked about this multiple times, how ultimately God is the one who has the power to do this, right? It is the Spirit who works in the hearts of people. But when we go out to make disciples, one of the things we want to make sure is that we are doing the work or, or yeah, we're, we're doing our part in bringing people into God's kingdom, bringing people from the dominion of darkness to the kingdom of God's beloved son. I think of the words, I, I believe it's in 1 Thessalonians where it says that they turned from idols to worshiping the living God. That's ultimately what we want to see when we are making disciples. We want to see people turning from idols to worshiping the living God. We want to see people coming out of the dominion of darkness. And that's why we as a church here at Kaleo, we would like for our church to grow through conversion growth. We would like for our church to grow as more people are hearing the gospel and are being transferred from the dominion of darkness into the kingdom that God's beloved son. This doesn't mean that we don't want people who are already Christians to join our church, but at the same time, we're not going to go out, you know, stealing members of other churches and tell them, hey, you should come to Kaleo. Kaleo is so much better than your other church. No, if people want to come, great. You know, we're, we're going to have a conversation with, well, we're going to have a conversation with them and, and there's a big process for that. But the point being, our mission is not to recycle disciples. Our mission is to make disciples. Our mission is to go out and make disciples, to baptize people in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And then we make disciples by teaching them to obey what Jesus has commanded. So yes, we care about conversion, but conversion is just the first part of making disciples, right? We if we only care about conversions, then all of a sudden we're going to start just counting numbers, right? And we're going to become one of those churches that make an, an altar call and we ask people to raise their hand to accept Jesus into their heart. And we're just going to start writing it down. And then we're going to report it in our, I don't know, in our weekly or whatever report and say, we made uh, 200 converts this year. And then you look at the church and there's like 50 people. Okay, so what happened to, what happened to the 200 converts that you made? Right? We, we care about people being converted, but we want to make sure that we are following through and that we are teaching them to obey everything that Christ 
has commanded. That is a disciple, right? A disciple is someone who follows Jesus. It's not just someone that says, yes, I believe, and then goes on to live their lives however they want. A disciple is someone who has been transformed, who has been brought into the family of God, and who is now growing and learning to obey Christ. And again, to quote Paul, this is from Colossians 1, verses 28 and 29. This is how Paul saw his mission. He says, him we proclaim, he's talking about Christ, him we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. For this I toil, struggling with all his energy that he powerfully works within me. So Kaleo family, as we fulfill the mission that God has given us, we want to make sure that we're not only making converts, but that we actually are careful to present everyone mature in Christ. That we go through the whole discipleship process, not just the beginning, but that we follow through in that. And then two things that I want to say, two more things I want to say about this great commission that we're given in Matthew 28. And I hope that this is... Uh, uh, that this is a, an encouragement to all of us. Number one is that Jesus is with us. We are not going on a futile mission. We're not going on a fool's errand. We're not going alone. Jesus says, I am with you always to the end of the age. And then he says before that in, in verse 18, he says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. So as we go out and make disciples, we're not going by ourselves. We are not going without any authority. We're not going without any power, but we're actually going under the authority of Jesus who has all of the authority in heaven and on earth. He is seated at the right hand of God. He is ruling right now. And he is the one who has commissioned us to go and make disciples. And he is with us through his Holy Spirit. And that's why in the book of Acts, after they receive the Holy Spirit, you see over and over and over that they preach the word of God with boldness. Because they were not alone. Because, they, because Jesus was with them. Stephen was able to preach and proclaim the gospel because Christ was with him. And he was able to be martyred for the gospel because Christ was with him. And you think of all of the examples of people who have proclaimed the gospel and the biggest motivation that we can have or the biggest comfort that we can have is that Jesus, the one who has received all authority, he is with us in this mission. And then the other thing that I want to point out is that this commission is making disciples of all sorts of people. This, this uh, uh, commandment that we have is not to go and make disciples of one kind of people or, or one ethnicity or one, uh, one socioeconomic group or, or one uh, nationality. No. We are commanded to go and make disciples of all nations. Of, uh, this word used as nations could actually be translated as all people or sorts, all sorts of people. In 1 Timothy, Paul tells Timothy to pray for all people. And then one of the reasons he gives them 
is that God wants all people to be saved. And then he says that Christ was given as a ransom for all people. So this message is universal. This message is for anyone who would believe it. It is not our job to determine who deserves to hear this message. Our job is to deliver it, right? We are the messengers. We, we do not get to choose and say, well, I'm only going to give it to these people, but not to these people. No, God, Jesus commissioned us to go and make disciples of all nations, Jews and Gentiles, rich and poor, men and women, American and non-American, you name it. If they are a person, we proclaim this message to them. We make disciples of them. All right, so that is the mission. Now let's talk about the motivation. And for that, I want us to turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, starting in verse 14. We see our motivation for accomplishing this mission. Of course, our, our, our motivation it, or a, a motivation enough should be that Christ commissioned us to do this, right? That should be motivating enough. But we have even more than that. We have more than just a commission, but we have the love of Christ himself, which is motivating us for this mission. In 1 Corinthians 5, starting in verse 14, we read, For the love of Christ controls us, because we have concluded this, that one has died for all, therefore all have died. And he died for all that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh, even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. So what is our motivation for going and proclaiming this message of reconciliation to the world? Our motivation is that Christ loved us. Our motivation is that God showed his love for us in that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. Right? None of us can say that, that we were reconciled to God because we were so good or so appealing or so uh, smart. If we truly understand that we were saved and reconciled to God by his grace, by his love, then we will be so eager to go out and proclaim this same message of reconciliation to the lost. If we understand that Christ died for all, then we will go and proclaim the gospel to all. If we truly understand that we no longer live for ourselves, but live for the one who died and, and was raised for us, 
If we truly understand that we do not belong to ourselves, but we belong to God because we have been purchased by the blood of Jesus, then we will go and fulfill the mission that he has given us. And this mission that he has given us is the ministry of reconciliation. Notice the progression here. We have been reconciled to God and we have been given the ministry of reconciliation. We have been reconciled with God. We have been forgiven so that we go and proclaim the same message of reconciliation to the world. It gets even stronger. It says that God is making his appeal through us. The church is the main means that God uses today to bring this gospel of reconciliation to the world. God is making his appeal to us. We are ambassadors. Maybe this would be a better analogy than the 30-year-old that lives at home. Imagine an ambassador that refuses to represent his president or king or whatever. Imagine an ambassador who says, no, I, just, I like my home here in this country and, and I'm just going to do my own thing and forget about the president back in my country. No. What's, what is the job of an ambassador? To represent the king, right? To proclaim the same message that the king is proclaiming. And so our job as ambassadors is to be ministers of reconciliation. God is making his appeal through us. Now, just to, just to finish this message, I want to talk a little bit more practically on what that means. This doesn't mean that every single person in the church should be a gifted evangelist, okay? And I want to be very clear about this because I don't, I don't want this message to just kind of drive us into guilt because we're not doing a good job of preaching the gospel or because we don't feel like we're that good at preaching the gospel. We don't feel like we're gifted. That's, that's not what I'm saying. I'm not saying that if you are not preaching the gospel every single day and going out to the streets and preaching the gospel, you're in sin. No, that's not what I'm saying. What I am saying is that the church as a whole, the body as a whole, the community as a whole, is the instrument that God uses to advance the gospel. And so it means that each one of us uh, uh, plays an important role in the mission of making disciples. It means that not everyone is an evangelist. It means that not everyone is a teacher. Not everyone is a preacher. Not everyone has all the gifts, right? Christ, through the Spirit, has given different gifts to the church. But he has given these gifts so that as a church, we would accomplish the mission that he has given us. And so one good question that we could ask ourselves is, how am I using the gift or the gifts that God has given me for the mission that we have been entrusted with? How am I using the resources and the talents that God has given me for the advance of the gospel, for the making of disciples? And there are many ways that, that we could do that. Of course, there are people who are actually gifted evangelists and maybe we should get behind those people and, and encourage them and help them and support them and, and say, how can we pray for you? How can we encourage you to continue to do this mission? 
right? And that's actually something that we have done as a church, right? We, we recognize that Nathan and Julissa, that God was calling them to Puerto Escondido in Mexico, and we recognize that God was calling them to go and make more disciples there. And so we as a church participated and continue to participate in the mission by praying for them, by supporting them, by talking to them. And so I want to encourage you, if you haven't talked to them or if you haven't prayed for them, I want to encourage you to do that. I want to encourage you to continue to give to the church so that we can continue to support Nathan and Julissa. We're doing something similar with Simon and Sandra. We recognize that God called them to a specific people group, not even outside of our city, right? Even within Aberdeen, God called Simon and Sandra to go and proclaim the gospel to the poor. And so we recognize that and say, okay, we can pray for you. We're going to commission you. We're going to support you. We're going to get behind you so that we as a church are fulfilling the mission that God has given us. Right? And there are many ways. I just wanted to give maybe, you know, those two practical examples. But there are many ways. And I encourage all of us to be thinking about how can I, as an individual, contribute to the mission of God that we have been given as a church. So we exist to worship God. We are able to worship God through the gospel of reconciliation. God has saved us into a community of people that love one another, and God has sent us on a mission to make disciples that worship God, that are reconciled through the gospel, and that are brought into the same community. And the cycle goes on and on and on. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you have given us this mission that just as the Father sent you, you have sent us. We thank you that you have given us your Holy Spirit. We thank you that you are with us till the end of the age. Lord, please give us strength, boldness to proclaim this message of reconciliation. Give us boldness to make disciples of all people. Help us to remember that you have all authority in heaven and on earth. Help us to remember your love, that, that we would be controlled by your love and that we would recognize that us who are in Christ, we have died and we have been given a new life and we belong to you and we have been entrusted with the ministry of reconciliation. Please help us as a church to come together and fulfill this mission that you've given us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.